I don't even remember what we just talked about, but it probably would have worked. It was like three minutes of meta commentary on podcasts. Oh, right. Yeah. Adventure Guys. Adventure Guys. Now it's time for Adventure Guys. Hey. Welcome to Adventure Guys, the podcast for humans and dogs. I'm Eric the Human. I'm Nick the Human. And Eric, I made a fatal flaw. I I ordered lunch a while ago, and it was supposed to have arrived, and I totally forgot. And just as the theme was playing, I heard like a ring on the. Uh, <laughs> let me go see if I can. Lunch. Yeah, let me. I should go get. Oh, here's the guy calling. Hello. Hello. Hello, delivery. Okay, I'm coming down. All right, cool. All right, Eric. Uh, I guess play the technical difficulty song or something. I don't know. <laughs> How long is your mic cable? Can you take it to the door it's, with you? No, it's a goddamn twenty footer. Maybe I can fish it out the window as I walk down the three flights. <laughs> <laughs> All right, technical difficulties. All right. Im- immediately. <laughs> What'd you get? Poke. Hey, this is my favorite food. Have I talked about it on the air? I'm sure I have. Yes. Uh. We had a whole conversation about it. All right. So I, since I've been back in Brooklyn, I've tried a couple of poke places. This one reports to be a bit more traditional Hawaiian. So let's see. It's a, it's looking pretty good. Poke works. If you want to follow along online in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, oh, it looks pretty good. I'll take my first slice or first first bite in just a little bit. Um, Do a, a real time. What's what's the name of the this place? Poke Works. Poke Works. We're gonna follow them on Instagram. Yes, do it. And I really need you to follow Poke Poke in uh, Austin, Texas. That is the best poke I've had so far. I think I may have plugged them last time. I want to put them in the show notes. So go check that out. A link to Poke Poke in in Austin. Um, when I went to Austin, spent a lot of time there. I got so into it and tried all these different poke places. And poke poke, just chef's kiss. It's like they marinate their poke, I think, for a little while. I don't know. Since they've been closed down, every time I go, I want to talk to them. But they have like a thing where they're like, oh, we're going to leave your food outside. Like, I really want to go in there and like learn about the process and like, I don't know, talk to the owner. Um, but it's so good. It's like the Hawaiian style where it's like it's just really just fish. And rice and like some stuff mixed in to be good. Um, that's the shit. Yeah. Well, I, I like Hawaiian food a lot. They actually have really good Hawaiian food in Vegas. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, th- like some interesting trivia about Vegas, I guess, is that um, they call it like the the ninth island, I guess. Or mm. if, if there's eight islands of Hawaii. I don't know. For some reason, uh, the cultures got connected somehow. And I think it's actually pretty cheap. To get a flight from Hawaii to Vegas, mm. uh, so Vegas has a lot of good Hawaiian food. 
and a lot of tiki bars and that kind of thing too. Oh hell yeah, dude! I lo- oh yes, oh, poke poke! I love it. Oh, they did a good <laughs> job. Yeah, poke. But I ordered this because I'm gonna be New York Nick for a little while longer because I was supposed <laughs> to be driving across the country today um, to go move into. Austin, I've been hyping it up on the show for weeks now. And then this hurricane came in and just kind of stalled all our plans. Yeah, I'm I'm thankful it didn't hit us up here that hard because after the last tropical storm and all my equipment fried, I was super careful. Like, I unplugged everything, and uh, it just it rained a little bit in the morning, but largely all my equipment has been <laughs> performing well. All right. Got the monitor back on track. You're recording yes. new songs. You finished another project I saw you posted. We talked about that with two yeah. weeks ago, the the joy of finishing a, a project that's just been looming over your head for, week, right. for weeks and, and months. And since we're, we're recording these episodes and we're so far behind on posting them, by the time this goes up, I can absolutely talk about what the project that I finished. I finished, finally, the Master for Masquerades Volume 15, which is... It was supposed to be the last cover album mm-hmm. on the Holophonics. There's Eric, you probably know if you're listening, in the terrific Scott Punk band, the Holophonics, um, got some internet acclaim <laughs> by making like awesome Scott covers. And you just, you really, the, the tenacity by which you addressed the Scott cover thing was outrageous. So this is your 15th album of covers, right? Yeah. It's, and I've hated. Almost every moment of it. <laughs> that's a lot of, that's like so much to do of anything, honestly, Eric. Like, and recording an much. album takes <laughs> a lot. So, fi- I mean, 15 records, bands, people don't get to 15 records usually, let alone in what? How many years did 15 records take you to make? Eight. Eight years. And then you also did three original records on top of it and the split EP and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, there's a B-Sides album also, and one of the albums is a double album. Uh, <laughs> Nothing if not prolific, my friend. So, so anyway, yeah. this was supposed to be the last, the final nail in the coffin, and while I was trying to finish it, I got contacted uh, about doing another cover album, and it's actually a pretty decent collaboration, so there's going to be a Masquerade 16. Hey. It's not... It's not officially announced. Keep it even. What it is, but yeah, hopefully that'll that'll be done in just a few more weeks. And I actually don't hate that. It's actually music that I like that I have a history with, so <laughs> it it makes sense. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, soon it's gonna be done. Totally finished. No more covers. No more Scott covers ever. You've done enough for a lifetime. Yeah. So or until I get broke again. <laughs> I mean, I'm broke right now, but... <laughs> we got a couple coming, man. Yeah. Yeah. We had, we had uh, what was it, the the breakfast morning show, Adventure Time, two weeks ago. Now we got the lunch gang going on. <laughs> yeah. I'm about to eat... See, this is normally when I would eat lunch, too, but I'm about to eat dinner with my parents in a little bit, and they're old. They're like senior citizens for real. So they eat dinner really early, and it it winds up being just a late lunch for me. Wow, I, f- I felt like a total college kid the last few days because my schedule got all screwed up as I was 
hurtling towards this move, just like waking up early to pack, staying up late, catching up with a few last friends I probably won't see for like, you know, nine months. Um, and my sleep schedule got all sorts of wha- um, out of whack. So I went to bed last night at 7.30. I was just so tired, which is a total senior, senior citizen move. Whoa. But then I, fe- I woke up at 3, you know, with the lights on. and was just like, what the hell happened? Um, <laughs> and I was just letting YouTube just cruise on my bed. I watched like 17 drunk histories from 3 to 6 a.m. And then... I had a little drink, like a little alcohol to just nurse me back to sleep and then slept from 6 to 10.30. Oh, man. So I think I'm more, you know, less, less of a senior citizen, more of like a baby's sleep schedule. <laughs> I, I'm trying to uh, avoid having a drink before I go to sleep, like to help me sleep. I haven't had anything to drink in like four months. Not that I needed to stop for any reason. I just haven't. Yeah, wanted to. Yeah. I know. I, I, same thing for me too. I hadn't really drank a lot until I got back to New York, and you know, no one's really hanging. You go get a, a socially distanced beer at like a bar with outdoor seating. Like it's kind of what I've been doing with everybody. So now all of a sudden, I've been dr- drinking like a New Yorker again for the first time in <laughs> like all year, and it's really catching up with me. And things like you know, sleeping at seven p.m. or is what happens. I think. Yeah. Like and my caffeine intake is so irregular that my sleep schedule is so messed up now. It's like I'm I'm definitely supplementing caffeine to help me stay awake because I couldn't sleep because I was drinking too much caffeine. Yeah, <laughs> my schedule is all sorts of weird. Eric, we're gonna find that schedule. We're gonna get we're gonna get on it. I've been you know this is the first week too. This is the sixth episode where I've felt like this is okay. This is a thing I do now. This is a weekly thing. It's an anchor. We're going to record this. It's nice. So it's out of, we've moved out of the excitement new thing phase. And now I think we're settling into, okay, this is what we do. Yeah. We've been at this point, we've been working on this podcast for over a month. Wow. And we haven't released a single episode yet. That will change. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Yeah. Like right around the time of recording the six episode episodes, one through three will, will have hit. And you probably listen to him if you're listening to episode six. So <laughs> can't wait to hear what you guys think of it. Well, I listen. Yeah, if, I, if you're jumping in on episode six and expecting to hear an Adventure Time podcast, <laughs> I'm sorry for the last however long we've been talking. My, my uh, recording clock is broken, so I can't ever tell how long we're actually going. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, well, we're going to get into it. Maybe we should get into it now. Let's do Let's it. get into it. Discussion. All right, season two, episode 18, Susan Strong. Yeah, this is the introduction of Susan Strong. Mm-hmm. She's, uh, have you been familiarized with her character? Yet? No, I hadn't. She, uh, she's got a pretty important plot line towards the end. I mean, almost everyone does in this show. Uh, but yeah, her introduction. In this episode, it seems a little bit random, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of foreshadowing, um, especially with like some of Finn's conversation with Princess Bubblegum in the beginning about him being the only human. I think this is the first time the show acknowledges that he's kind of this weirdo and that he's a regular old human in in the land of Ooh. Yeah, and there's not he, has, he hasn't come across any in all of his adventures. Like that's pretty significant. Yeah, and it's 
I, I like how Princess Bubblegum gets all awkward about making him think about it. Yeah. It also <laughs> made me think about what Princess Bubblegum is. And when she talked about Uncle Gumball, it, I was like, oh, yes. yeah, huh. Right, yeah. So this is also some powerful foreshadowing with Princess Bubblegum's character because um, I think this is also maybe one of the first times it's directly acknowledged that you can eat anything and anyone in the candy kingdom. Yes. That it's all just literally edible candy. That was some great trivia um, I read online too. I was yeah. like, ah, all right. Uh, and yep. Yeah, uh, Uncle Gumbald is mentioned for the first time, I think. And that is a weird name drop because his character doesn't come in until way later. And it's it's really kind of weird uh, about who that guy is and yeah. his relationship to what candy people are and stuff. But yes, it's a lot of, a lot of weird foreshadowing in this yeah. episode. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of think we talked about it with uh, the early appearance of Gunter uh, in the first episode we did. And I kind of like the... Th- you know, I, I'm interested to know if they knew where they were going or if they just kind of set up these things, like what the pro, what their what their process is, because they might just want to start setting up these foreshadowing things and be like, we'll figure it out later. Or if we mention it now, it gives us some runway and things to come back to. Yeah, it's uh, it seems very off the cuff. And it's and it's by the time they bring these things back, it's so many seasons and years later, uh, it would have been extremely intricate to have planned all of that in advance. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting too, is that we did, uh, another episode with the lemon grabs and, uh, and that too had a similar plot where they go help out these people and they're like, you should come to candy kingdom. And then that puts candy kingdom in immediate peril because they invite people <laughs> back there. Yes. And both times Jake is like, are you sure you want to do that, man? It seems like the Candy Kingdom is always being attacked, which I don't know why. There's not a lot of like truly evil antagonists in this show, and yet they're always in trouble. <laughs> well, sorry, me and my poke. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do hear. I think it's just because of the vulnerability and that they are candy, and everyone wants to eat candy. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I'm trying not to go too deep into the symbolism. I re-listened to episode one and was like, okay, so let's, let's, uh, before we release it, let's keep it down. But there is, you know, there's something to be said about candy and what it represents he, in this episode. One of my, one of my favorite parts of the episode is that they bring, so they bring Susan up out of the hatch, um, and bring her into the world. They show her grass, which I thought was funny that she was afraid of grass because I definitely think I would be afraid of grass too. If I had never felt it in my entire life, <laughs> grass is weird and dirt and the bugs and everything. I guess. Is it weirder than asphalt underground sewer systems? Well, if that's all you knew and you're just used to like asphalt concrete and then you get up there and it's <laughs> squishy and moving and green. It would be like, what is this? I've even felt that coming out of the city and I hadn't like run around in grass for a while and then like taking my shoes off and walk through grass like for the first time in months and months. And I was like, oh man, this is cool. I, I, I feel seasoned on that one. Um, but they, so they, so then they, tr- they start teaching her about things and then they have a campfire. Um, which, I love that scene. Me too. That was one of the most enjoyable scenes we've seen yet. That's quintessential Rebecca Sugar. Yeah, yeah, and actually, the uh, the song that Finn sings is 
very proto Steven Universe, I think. Mm. Um, the style of like a, you know, like 13 year old boy singing to ukulele accompaniment uh-huh. is all over Steven Universe. And uh, actually, you know, I started hearing like a lot of uh, the same music theory kind of thoughts that I have sure. when I listen to the Steven Universe songs. There's a there's this really uh, very identifiable Rebecca Sugar moment where they they go to the relative minor chord with mm-hmm. a secondary dominant and with like the chromatic passing yeah. tone, and it's so it's like her very signature kind of tonality. Um, and you know, I, I wonder, I wonder if the, the ukulele is set up in a way that it allow it like calls for that sort of chord choice. Yeah, those kind of chromatic passing notes. I I haven't played ukulele in a really long time, so I, I kind of forget how the the voicings influence. Me neither. I was thinking about getting a cheap one when I moved to Austin, so maybe maybe now's the time and get inside. Yeah, because I know that's her instrument. Um, I was ukulele. Jake Jake's playing guitar, but that it sounded like ukulele, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe maybe it's like a. Like a big ukulele, uh-huh. and he's just a smaller dog. <laughs> he's also playing viola too. I love that. A pretty musical dude. <laughs> it was great hearing him and seeing him play that, um, and just with the the vibe of the setting and the sunlight going down. It's all orange and everything. It was just so nice. Um, yeah, and that little friendly beaver. Yeah, I, and great scene. <laughs> great scene, and I also loved. Um, I love marshmallows, man. That is. I didn't know marshmallows fell under the candy umbrella. I thought they were kind of outside of it. But now that they're under the candy umbrella, that's a top candy for me. I love them. You know, man, I've I've never really been a marshmallow kind of guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I, I tried the um, Rockstar marshmallow flavor. Whoa. What? And yeah, it's uh, I think it's a Rockstar Durance, which has like more caffeine and zero calories. Hmm. And it's very saccharin, soda tasting, super sweet, marshmallowy, but it's also got this weird, like mild, just sort of flying through the clouds kind of vibe to it. Yeah. That, That's what marshmallow's all about. Yeah. I it's it's not readily available in the convenience stores that I am around now, but if if I ever have the opportunity, I definitely go for the Rockstar marshmallow flavor. I don't know why. I don't even really like it. It's just <laughs> a weird kind of experience. Yeah. Oh, I'm all about that. <laughs> okay, I'll look I'll keep my eyes peeled, especially when I do the uh the road trip next weekend. We're gonna need some caffeine, man. Um, yeah. That'd be a good road trip drink for sure. Yeah. But I, I love them and just I've such fond memories like everyone of roasting marshmallows around a campfire. So I thought that was like a really cool way to introduce candy to Susan Strong was through marshmallows. Like they're soft. They're, they're not scary. They're not confusing. Like you're not afraid to bite into one of them. Um, but what was interesting that I noticed was they introduced the concept of candy through marshmallows. And then the way that Susan and all the other people of her squad are finally defeated is by the marshmallows. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> that full circleness was great. Yeah, I think it's um uh I don't know if those marshmallows are like characters that show up every game, but it, it was Tom Kenny voicing uh one of them and it it kind of reminded me of um his voice for Squanchy from Rick and Morty. Mm. I've seen Squanchy. I can't recall his voice. It's the season 2 finale of Rick and Morty uh-huh. where Squanchy just 
just plows headlong into battle. <laughs> yeah. It seemed like a very similar yeah. or thematically resonant moment for me. <laughs> totally. Um, so, so yeah, so they, just to keep the plot line going. So after she tastes candy, uh, Susan strong, Jake's or uh, Finn is like, we should go to the candy kingdom. And Jake is like, I think she likes candy a little too much. And she has a gloriously weird freak out about candy. <laughs> 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 and her eyes are all big. Um, like the twinkles. Yeah. Everything gets all. There's yeah. a lot of twinkling eyes in this episode. Yeah. Which was great. Like the 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 little candy piece with the scary shadow. Like yeah. she's all twinkly. But yeah. Her, her shadow's scary. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> so they they bring Susan there. They have a nice dinner, it would seem, with Princess Bubblegum. And as they're leaving, she's like, hey, Finn, like, where's all the candy you were talking about? And then Susan sees Peppermint Butler, tries to eat him, and then Finn's like, cool it, have some sidewalk brittle, and she loves it, and she's like, cool, what I'm going to do is get all my friends, and we're going to come back and eat the entire Candy Kingdom. (laughs) And they're like, no, and she's like, okay, I won't eat the Red Stripe Man, but everybody else. (laughs) uh, This is our first uh, viewing of Peppermint Butler. Yeah, I'm interested in him. I really like what he's about, I think. I don't know much about him. He is uh, definitely the most demonic character in this show. Really? <laughs> yeah. He's, yo, he is friends with death. Really? Like, the character death shows up, and Peppermint Butler is homies with him. Wow, I can't wait to 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 see and learn more about Peppermint Butler. Holy shit. Yeah, he's like a practicing occultist. Wow. And it's still trusted through all out all of this by Princess yeah. Bubblegum. She's like, cool, that's just yeah. your thing. Do that. I don't know how much of his uh occulting Princess Bubblegum is actually aware of. because <laughs> uh, there there are definitely episodes where he tries to use dark magic to like help people and he tries to keep it a secret. Um but I know that one of the upcoming HBO Max specials is going to be centered on him. Mm. And because uh, he sort of gets de-aged. And I think it's going to be about him going to black magic school to like learn how to be a master of the occult all over again. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> yes. Maybe we should, when those come out, we should do one of those on like release weekend. The uh, the first one came out. Okay. I'll show you what I know. It's about BMO. Did you watch it? Yeah. Was it good? It's good. It's uh Is it different? Is it more adult or No, it's um it's just longer and it's um it's basically about a whole new set of characters. It's sort of a standalone thing and Bimo is really the only link to the actual adventure time timeline. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, cool. Well, let's check it out. Um so anyway, so then Susan Strong's going to get all of the the people, the humans at this point, we presume they are, um, out from underground to come back and eat all the candy. And she's kind of teaching them what she's picked up from Finn and Jake. And back at the Candy Kingdom, they're trying to get everybody ready and like look intimidating. And they're just not intimidating at all. They're just so, they're so cute. (laughs) Um, They try to scare them with shadows since it was set up earlier in the episode that shadows are scary. However, they have learned that they are just shadows and that does not work. And Oh, the line is, uh, they've learned how to learn, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. It's like 
such an underlying problem with society right uh, now. Yes. <laughs> People don't know how to learn. Lay it on me. Yeah, you know what I was just listening to was um, Bill Gates was on Dak Shepard's podcast, um, which I tune in and out of. Dax can be a bit much for me, although some if he has the right guest, it's like it's awesome. And Dax, if you want to do this podcast, I would love to have you on. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, he was talking to Bill Gates, and they were talking about the process of learning. And he was talking about how, like, adults don't want to learn because of that essential discomfort. He was saying something like that, where it's like you have to get into a spot where you you literally don't know what you're reading about or what you're doing, and that sort of area of discomfort most adults avoid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, people always want to talk about, you know, who's smart and who's not, or who the intellectual elite is and all this stuff. And uh, there's not really a, a real measure of intelligence. What IQ is, and this seems to get lost, is that it's a measure of how quickly people learn, how easily people can learn. So like, an IQ of 100 means that you just learn things at the average rate. Mm -hmm. And if you have an IQ of 120, it means you learn things 20% faster or more easily. Right. And it, that doesn't necessarily indicate that you are smarter or know more or retain more facts. Yeah. It's just the speed. So if you have a low IQ, you could still learn more than somebody with a 150. And I think now this is something Malcolm Gladwell has probably written about in his career, but... <laughs> There's definitely probably people who are, have incredibly high IQs and then they don't have to work as hard and because learning is easier for them. And then there's probably some sort of I bet there's some sort of scale. That I'm just making this up. But like, you know, if you have a 150 versus like a 120, maybe the 120 does better because they have to work harder to get to where the 150s are. Sure, sure. I mean, yeah, because, you know, you know, there's not really a way to quantify intelligence on its own like you have to think about well what is what is being accomplished with the intelligence and if someone with a lower iq produces a better result whether or not you know they were working harder you know they got it yeah and result they got it yeah i mean yeah people don't learn to learn i mean i'm learning right now i'm doing a new job at work um at Atlantic previously, I was in the touring department and now I'm in the digital marketing, internet marketing department, which a lot of related skill set. I know the people that are teaching me and I'm working with a lot of the same people, but there's just new things that I never thought about before or don't know. And I'm feeling that sort of discomfort that comes along with learning. Um, and I'm trying to, to, to get into it. I, I understand why people don't <laughs> avoid it because it's uncomfortable and it makes you feel bad and it feels like you're risking something, but at the end of the day, that's the only way you grow. Yeah. I, uh, I, I keep trying to learn as much as possible. I keep, I've been pretty good about keeping up with music theory stuff. Oh, really? Since I've been in quarantine. That's cool. What have you been exploring? Well, it's super easy to, to find stuff online now. YouTube is so great. Uh, so there's a bunch of YouTubers that just do music theory mm. that just watch a couple of those videos Every morning, I have a couple books that I'm trying to read through also. Very um, cool. I think I've talked about that guy, Adam Neely. Yeah. I've yeah, he's got song. a great YouTube channel. Oh, that's so cool. I, I've been I've been writing music, and I've been feeling the urge of like, okay, I need to learn some new harmonic tricks. Because you, you get your bag of tools, and at, at some point, you're like, 
all right, I did that thing again. Like, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And you're like, I need a new, I need to freshen this up. I need a little twists and turns. And I, you and I are both, I think, on that page where we love surprising chord changes and and harmonic choices. Right. Yeah, and you know, I, I, there, there's there's a lot to be said of the whole state of everything that's happening right now where, it, you know, it, it makes it difficult to actually be productive, you know, mm-hmm. locked in quarantine with civil unrest everywhere. Um, no one's obligated to come out of this any better, but it's been a long time and I really am trying <laughs> to, to add to my skill set by the, by the time we get out of this. I love it, dude. I think that's why we're friends. We're both seekers. We're trying to learn more <laughs> and do, do new things like, a podcast about Adventure Time. Yeah. We're just like Finn and Jake. <laughs> just like Finn and Jake. Oh, uh, man. So, anyway, so then the the t- to finish off the summary, the marshmallows come out. Now, I I hope, I wish the marshmallows would come back because the decision of the marshmallows when Finn tells all the candy to retreat and hide and get the hell out of there because the humans are going to come eat them, and... <laughs> The marshmallows are like, we never say no to a scrap and then <laughs> run at them and they get on fire. And I was just like that spirit and tenacity in marshmallows. I really didn't see coming, but it's fitting for a marshmallow <laughs> yeah. because they can survive it and they know they can. Like when they just they, they, they scare them off because the marshmallows are on fire and then they the fire gets put out and they're black and then they take off their black skin and they're like, yeah, we're just gooey. We're going to be gooey for a while, but we'll, we'll be fine in the long run. I don't know. I, I just love that so much. I love that character trait for a marshmallow. Yeah. It throws into question a lot of what makes these candy people alive yes. or mortal or immortal. Or <laughs> It does. But, it, but it's a throwaway moment, which I, I love that there's, there's so many implications and so many moments that could be really heavy if you examined it. But they don't allow time for that. It's just <laughs> they just hand them like these charred uh, old marshmallow skins and then run run off all happy. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. And then so as the marshmallows are the heroes of the episode. Um, yeah, I guess. I guess you go team marshmallow. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, all the people um, are on fire now because of like the mayhem. And their hats, they're all wearing hats come off. And it's revealed that on their heads, they are fish, basically. There's gills and, like, fins coming off of the hats, uh, or of their heads. And Finn is like, oh, my gosh, they aren't humans. And the whole reason he was protecting them, um, and he felt like he was, this is the first time he was ever meeting humans. That's why he was so invested. Um, But a key moment is that we do not see Suzanne Strong without her hat. So we don't really know at this point if she is indeed a human or one of these fish people. Yeah, it's left as a mystery. Um, and they don't, I don't think they ever really examine it that closely until the Susan Strong storyline that happens in like season nine. Mm. But I think it's sort of agreed upon at that state that she's not a fish person. But she's also not the same kind of human that Finn is if she is in that genre. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he sings a whole song and he says that she lights up his heart. But it doesn't seem like romantic sort of love. It feels like way more of a sense of belonging, like like sibling yeah. love. 
yeah, yeah. Um, he's getting all heavy and weird, like from the beginning of the episode, <laughs> but in a good way at that point. Yeah. Um, it's cool. I'm, I'm excited to see how humans play into it because on the last episode, Simon and Marcy, it's a flashback to a thousand years, presumably to like present day. Sorry, it's 996 years ago. Um, and you see the the gooey people, and this is where we're. The show is starting to imply that there was some great, you know, zombie apocalypse, nuclear war that happened. Um, and I was wondering, thinking about that, that's obviously from season five, but could these fish people also be a product of said nuclear holocaust? You know, like with the, were they fused with a person and a fish? Um, Suzanne Strong looks really big, sort of like a Hulk thing. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know about the fish people's origins so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does, that all does get its own storyline eventually. And it, it winds up kind of being uh, ancillary to the main plot of what's going on in Ooh. It's just like, hey, here's what happened to the humans. And this matters to Finn, but it doesn't really affect anyone else in the larger adventure time story. Right. And as you said, as the show goes on, you, you learn what minor characters Finn and Jake really play in all this. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's a, it's a cool storyline. It's um one of those like seven or eight parters that are all, uh, they aired them like all in a week or two or something mm-hmm. originally. Um, yeah. Season nine, I think. Yeah, I'm excited to is. do those. I want to do them. I know we're going, Random, but I really want to do those as like a chunk, like a special. We'll strategize on that off air. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there's a few of those. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the best one to, to focus on might be. Hmm. We'll see. Um, yeah. Hey, can we, uh, can we play Did You See the Snail? Let's play Did You See the Snail. Nick, did you see the snail? No. Eric, did you see the snail? No. Well, that was Did You See the Snail? Um, don't forget to send an email if you did find the snail to did you see the mail at gmail.com. Yeah, please let us know. I I was looking for it really hard. I really tried. Yeah, I, I, I forgot to try again. I really got to remember. <laughs> I get so overtaken by everything that's happening. I just forget. Yeah. Well, you okay. So I think I'm falling into the habit of watching these episodes twice. Me too. We do the podcast. Me too. It's easy because they're short. Uh, the first episode, I'll just watch the episode. <laughs> um, and then the second episode, maybe I'll have a couple things that I, I noticed on the first pass that I wanted to zero in on. And I will actively hunt for the snail <laughs> i really tried and i i i like i'm even kind of thinking about oh this scene like this shot yeah. looks kind of busy like there's a lot of minor characters like walking around sure. like it, this would be the kind of shot that the snail would be in and still like i can't find it i didn't see it yeah well on either first or second viewing did you have any favorite quotes um I had a couple. 
I can't remember where you go for it. Quotes, moments. Um, uh, you know, Jake saying we can rule them like gods. Angry gods. <laughs> that was great. I love how random Jake is. Yeah. Yeah, it's like all of a, it's all of a sudden it's like, yeah, he's dark. Um Jake also says at the end, we're all we're all just wild animals, right? Yeah, brother. Brother. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Especially in this world where no one's the same species, let alone let alone the same race. <laughs> you know? It's you really just gotta have some supreme tolerance. Uh, yeah. Um he he said to uh Susan Strong, you got grass blood all over your face yes that was a good one great one um grass blood blood. i love the dancing bug that was just a great little adventure time thing yeah we're like you think this is the moment where you know they're trying to show this character that there's nothing to be afraid of Mm -hmm. and you think this is a moment like oh this could be like a relapse for that character's learning process where she gets really scared because like there's something is dangerous over there but no, <laughs> it's just dancing and having a good time. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, I got a couple pieces of trivia. All right, let's hear it. All right. Um, so we talked about how this is when we learned that everything in Candy Kingdom, including the roads and the buildings, are candy. Very cool one. Um, here's another. This you're gonna love. This Eric is that. Apparently, there's two references to Lost in the episode, mainly the uh, the hatch, the hatch, <laughs> the hatch. And I, I I wish I had gone back and looked, but the title card animation apparently references Lost in some way, and this is corroborated because another great. Yes, it does. Oh, I see it. Oh, they're looking down the the hatch, <laughs> um, and. This is also corroborated in the fact that they released the official story bar, storyboard art um, for this episode. And in there it says something like uh, about the hatch relating it to Lost and being like a Lost style pan across the screen. Um, and yeah, and that's like one of the coolest parts of trivia that I found was before this episode came out, they released the original storyboard that Adam Muto and Rebecca Sugar made for Susan Strong. Um, and it's, huh. it's up for free on scribed. We should put that in the, uh, in the show notes. That's cool. Yeah. yeah it's cool. It says on there, like the network pitch, um, and has a spot f- on the 30th of July, 2010. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's, 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 it's interesting to look at. I, you mentioned that too. I think it was on the first or second episode about how we should do some sort of deep dive episode into how they make the show because I am very interested in that in the timelines and the workload. And yeah, I want to, I want to buy the the book uh, that goes into that a little bit more. I think it's called the art of Ooh. Nice. I have the one uh, for Steven universe and it's a really, really good read. Um, they really take you through the process step by step on how they, how they put together all the episodes and how complicated it is. Um, and uh, it was it was cool also hearing how they do the music for these cartoons, mm-hmm. which is uh you know I don't I'm not familiar with the composer that does Adventure Time, but the uh, the composers that do Steven Universe are really good and they do a lot of that chip tune stuff and they had a, a lot of cool information how they put together the episodes and then you know I just listened to that uh, 
Jeff Rosenstock podcast you sent me a link to. What was, who was the guy that does that? It was called, I have it right here, the podcast is 101 Part-Time Jobs Podcast, um, which is when this dude, he was he was in a band. I forget which band it was. Um, oh, it looks like Soho Radio. Oh, yeah. People loved that band, I remember. Soho Radio and the iPaper. And he talks to like independent musicians and artists and stuff about their day jobs, like what day jobs they've had and continue to have during their artistic career. Yeah, yeah, that episode with with Jeff was really cool. He talked about how uh, he's working on Craig of the Creek. Yeah, man, I would love to get a gig like that, writing music for a cartoon. Yeah, it seems like it's a lot of work. A lot, a lot but, of work. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, Craig of the Creek is like all music, wall to wall. You know, I was thinking about that watching Adventure Time today, and you could tell this one, which you mentioned when we watched the other season too, is that it feels early, like. And the way Princess Bubblegum is speaking, like her character is not the same as when we just saw her last in the Lemon Grab episode, which happened a couple seasons later. The animation's a little rougher. And there was a music cue, I think, when they were coming out of the hatch that was interesting to me. I raised my eyebrows. Like, cool, cool music cue, but just a little different style than they would have in yeah. a later season. Yeah, I did note it. Uh, the, you know, what's also always really, really strange is the title card music. Yeah. What, it's always so incongruent with everything else that's happening in the, in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I noticed this one, it actually stuck out of me like, wow, that was some bizarre title screen intro, five or six seconds of music there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Th- th- someone must have thought about that at some point where a lot of it's dramatic and weird. And like, it like sets a mood for you to like going into the episode. I feel like of, okay, I'm watching now. Like, yeah, I should familiarize myself more with um, uh, what was her name? It was Casey something? I should check out more of their work. Yeah, I love looking up whoever did music for shows and 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 looking into how they did it or what their other projects are. It's a very unique skill. Like it's different than songwriting, for sure. It seems like if you got one of these, if you got an Adventure Time or a really cool show. And you're like, oh, hell yeah. Like, I get to do this thing in there. Like, it'd be great. But to just be ad hoc going to all these different vibes and that's that's a harder situation. Right? On the interview with Jeff, I think he said he was <clears throat> he was working on something that took like 15 hours that day. Yeah. Like he'll 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 work for like a typical work day usually. Uh, but sometimes if it takes longer, it just takes longer. And he he had like a like a 15 hour session. Yeah. I mean, for Craig I, the can, Creek music. I can, ima- I can imagine it because you could probably get into a zone and you're like, wait, this isn't working. I have to figure out what the arrangement's going to be and, and, and everything like those roadblocks. You can't just like put them off for a week and come back to it. It's like, you probably at that pace, you have to do a lot. Um, I'm excited. One show that I'm excited for. Um, have you heard about Moonbase eight? It's, um, it's, no. it's the new show. Going to be starring Tim Heidecker, Fred Armisen, and John C. Riley oh, as astronauts. Okay, um, I think I saw a promo photo for that. Yeah, and it's um, it's directed and co-written by Jonathan Kreisel, who rules. He's done like every crazy show: Tim and Eric, Awesome Show, Tom Goes to the Mayor, Portlandia, SNL, um, Baskets, and he's doing it. And then Stephen Droz from The Flaming Lips apparently is doing music, and he's one of my heroes and 
Oh. Is like a guy who seems like he'd be perfect to do like music like that for a show. And it's always spacey shit. So I'm excited to hear what that'll be like. Um, I've been checking out um, Joe Wong has a podcast. He is a writer or, or composer. He did Midnight Gospel. He did all the music for oh, that. Right on. I like that music. Yeah, me too. And I, I was hearing it. And I was like, I got to go find out who this is. And this guy, Joe Wong, and he apparently was a, a drummer who played in a lot of rock punk type bands he loved fugazi went to berkeley um and he has a podcast where he mainly interviews drummers uh but then goes off you know course and interviews all sorts of people including duncan trussell which is a good episode but yeah he's got a lot he put they put up the midnight gospel score on to spotify and i was enjoying it he did oh, right on. He did, I'll he, have to they did master of none too and russian doll so he's got He's got the good work. <laughs> so do you want to pick pick an episode for next yes, week? Yes, let's do it. What are we going to watch next week? What are we going to watch? Let's go! It's the episode. Okay, we got episode 81, which is season four, episode three, Web Weirdos. All right, we got, it looks like Marceline's in this one. Uh, I don't remember what that episode might be, but it's probably pretty good. Most episodes of Adventure Time are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it. Okay, I'm I'm reading about it a little bit. This looks this looks in- interesting, entertaining. Let's do it. All right, cool. Uh, so next week, season four, episode three, Web Weirdos. I'll talk to you then. Goodbye, good people right, of the internet. Peace out, y'all. Ooh. Peace out, y'all. Peace out, y'all. Peace out, y'all. Like, subscribe.